You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we thank you for the gift of this morning, for the cool air pouring down on us as the heat increases outside. And Lord, we pray for the refreshment of your wind of your spirit to blow through us now as we consider your word bring us to a right understanding and transform us anew that we may evermore resemble our Lord Jesus Christ in his name we pray Amen so I'm a geek um it's true, I've tried at times in my life to be cool and failed miserably. Um, and I feel bad for this. I apologize to my kids regularly because they're teenagers and I can't teach them how to be cool. I don't have a clue. Um, I'm just completely unplugged from popular culture. If I'm reading a recent novel, it's probably from the 1950s. Um, so when something crosses my desk or crosses my path that's from pop culture, uh, I take it as a sign from God I should pay attention to it because I, I just see so little of it. And um, this, this came across through an email uh, uh, that Arnold, Arnold, the Terminator, is P.O.'d. I apologize for the crassness. He said the words. I'm just initialing them. Um, and you want to know what he's PO'd about? He's PO'd about death. Because he can't seem to do anything about it. <laughs> My brother is a recovering alcoholic, and he always said that, he, he says that alcoholics are angry because, and they're always angry at something they can't control. So when he was getting sober, his sponsor used to say to him, and he, when he'd see him starting to spiral into anger, he's like, why don't you go outside, shake your fist at the sky, and say, why are you blue today? <laughs> we, to be angry about death seems the most foolish thing of all because it's the one thing you know is absolutely going to happen at some point. But he went on to explain why He's angry at death. He's angry at death because it brings to an end all the ambitions and all the accomplishments you've, you've had and all the fun you're having right here. Now, let's face it, Arnold is having some fun. I mean, it's, it's been a heck of a life. How many people go from the slums of Austria to become Mr. Universe to become one of the most popular action uh, movie heroes of all time, and then to be governor of one of the richest states in the Union for eight years. There aren't many of us who've had a trajectory through life like that. Arnold hasn't yet discovered the wisdom that Solomon had as he wrote Ecclesiastes in the section that we read today. 
Arnold's horizon of meaning extends no further than this life. In fact, he says, I have this dream. I have this fear, he said, rather. He said, I have this fear that my mom is going to come in and say, Arnold, get up. This life you've led has all been a dream. It's time to go work in the factory with your father. He says, that's why I'm so angry that this life is going to end. I'm having fun. And his sense of the meaning of his life goes no further than its termination in death, which he has known for a long time is coming at some point. Now, this is the reason why the preacher in Ecclesiastes says, and you notice he calls him, he doesn't call himself a king. He refers to the fact he was a king, but he calls himself a preacher. He's trying to teach. This is, from being the king over the whole of Israel, this is what I have to impart for you. The wisdom I have to pass on is that it's all the stuff we spend all our ambition and all our time and all our energy on is vanity. It's craziness. It's striving after wind, as he said. Try to, ever try to catch the wind with your hands? It doesn't work so well. And why? Because you may have, you're going to have to pass it on. You're just going to have to... And you don't know whether the person is going to get all the stuff you've accumulated is an idiot or they're wise. He had to be thinking of his own sons. <laughs> And a little spoiler, if you go to that part of the Old Testament, Rehoboam wrecks the kingdom when he inherits from Solomon. But what is not vanity is to do the things we do for the Lord, in the face of the Lord. To eat and drink and be in fellowship with others under the gaze of the Lord, knowing knowing that He is watching and that we do what we do for His sake and in relationship with Him. St. Paul gets into this extensively in our reading from Colossians today. All of our readings today are about the vanity of accumulating success on the world's terms. When we know the need to sacrifice, it is up ahead. St. Paul writes this as Colossians begins. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And if you weren't sure what he meant, he almost repeats himself. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now that phrase, set your minds, is one word in Greek. It's phronete. It's a command. But it's related directly to the word phronema, which is a very important word in theology. It comes from 1 Corinthians 2.16 where St. Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. Because the word here means, that word mind, phronema, means much more than having ideas like Jesus. It means having a heart like Jesus. See, your, your ideas don't really push you along in life. You'll, you'll act based on what you believe is true, but we act because of our emotions. Something pushes us to do this, that, or the other thing. 
And to have the phronema of Christ is not only to think like Christ thinks, but begin to have a heart like Christ's heart. Loving the things that God loves and hating the things that God hates. Loving and serving others as Christ loved and served us. That is to have the phronema of Christ. And this is why St. Paul can go on in Colossians here to say that our life is hid with God in Christ. See, we see Christ, our horizon of meaning as Christians is much further than the horizon of our death, whenever that will come. We see over the horizon to something better, but the world looking at us can't see that same thing. And so the actions, the convictions, even the thoughts of Christians will always be somewhat of a mystery to those who do not know Christ because their horizon of meaning is radically different than our own. And this has always been the case. In the epistle to Diognetus, um, which is just a letter from the life of the early church, dated somewhere between 130 AD and 180 AD, excuse me, that 50-year span, um, an unknown disciple wrote a letter to somebody named Diognetus explaining these weird new people he's seeing around the Roman Empire called Christians because this guy can't understand them. And it's a very short little thing. I'll probably send it out as an email this week because I had a request after the first service to hear the rest of it. It's, it's short. It's about five paragraphs. But I'm just going to read you a little section. He says to this, he says, these people, these Christians, live in the flesh, but they're not governed by the desires of the flesh. They pass their days upon earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They're obedient to the laws, yet they live on a level that transcends the law. Christians love all men, but all men persecute them. Condemned because they are not understood, they are put to death, but raised to life again. They live in poverty, but enrich many. They are totally destitute, but possess an abundance of everything. They suffer dishonor, but that is their glory. Yet there is something extraordinary about their lives. They live in their own countries as though they were only passing through. They play their full role as citizens, but labor under all the disabilities of aliens. Any country can be their homeland, but for them, their homeland, wherever that may be, is a foreign country. It's a foreign country because our real home is with God and Jesus Christ. And knowing that allows us as Christians to hold on to the things of this life lightly. To treasure the relationships we have, not because they'll last forever, but because we can be a blessing to someone else right now, even as we are blessed through them. Because they belong to God too, just as do we. And the stuff of this world. Well, the stuff of this world is definitely not what we are supposed to have our hopes wrapped up. 
when St. Paul is in, the, in that letter to the Colossians saying to them about keeping their minds in heaven, he's also telling them, get out of the way the earthly things that are keeping your minds from what is above, things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. And this one alone, he, he announces his idolatry, covetousness. Why is that alone idolatry? Because desiring earnestly that which we don't have means we think that's going to make us ultimately feel fulfilled and happy. Which only God can do. <laughs> we, if we wish to count our blessings, we can't both count our blessings and keep numbering and tallying the things we don't have at the same time. But the attending to the things of this life, the acquisition of money to feed our families and do the things that we need to do takes up the great majority of most people's time. So it's, it's why it's so easy for us to shift our focus from the things that are above to the things i got to do right now. And that's why we need these constant reminders from God through the words of Scripture through the words of Christ, and sometimes through the words of our brothers and sisters in the church, to recall us to the right phronema, the right mind, to put our hearts and our minds above on the things that are above. And uh, I was taught a powerful lesson in this a couple of years ago. Um, about seven years ago, I was asked to resign from a church. And it was a, it was a difficult season for our family. It was a difficult season for me professionally because I lost a job, but it was a difficult season for our family because of me losing the job, our family lost its home. And, um, and I felt so much shame about it because while I didn't think I did, did anything that was deserving of being asked to leave, I made missteps because everyone does. And I couldn't stop focusing on them. And I felt like such a failure because the one thing I'd promised myself when we got married is that I was going to be a better provider for my family than my father was. My dad is a great dad in a lot of ways, but he did not always provide financially as well as he might have. And I said, I'm never going to do that to my family. I'm always going to make sure that we've got a nice nest and that it's feathered well. <laughs> if not lavishly, well. <laughs> um, and I felt like I'd failed in this. And as I worked through the grief and the anger and the mourning and the, and the shame that was attached to that season in my life, at some point, uh, my wife and I were having a cup of coffee in the morning and I'd finally worked up the courage to, to tell her how I felt about this. Because if you really, have you ever had to confess something you're ashamed of? It's so hard to work yourself up to that moment. <laughs> Um, and, and I was you know, circling the drain and felt like I was going down like I just have to get it out and, and I said to Lisa uh, that I just felt this incredible burden because I'd let our family down and, um, and she very lovingly laughed uh, <laughs> and then very earnestly said to me honey, I love you very much but I don't count on you to provide for our family I count on God. <laughs> That's why she gets the stained glass window before I do. <laughs> um, 
My mind, in my mind, I was trusting God, but in my heart, I was trusting myself. So my phronema, I did not yet have the mind of Christ, and I needed her to recall me to the promises of the gospel. To know that my life is hid with God in Christ. So whatever the joys of this life and whatever the downturns of this life, I am secure. We are secure. The only thing we can take with us into the next world is what we have done in faith for Jesus Christ. Because His is the only relationship with us that outlasts the grave. When we are united with Him is when all our other relationships can take on eternal significance. And all the stuff of this world just becomes one more thing we can use for His glory and in service to others. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you so much that our life is hid with you in Christ. We thank you that you have called us by the gospel, enlightened us by your gifts, and sanctified us by the presence of your Spirit that we might trust in him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Bless us, Lord. When the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune come at us, to keep our mind on those things that are above. For then our faith will quench all the flaming darts of the evil one. Remind us, Lord, that we will someday wake from a dream here, but it won't be our mother calling us to go to work in the factory, but rather it'll be you calling us with a trumpet blast into your eternal homes. Keep our minds there that we may be a blessing to those around us. We ask this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.